Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. In today's episode, we talked to Miss Wood, our social studies, our seventh and eighth grade social studies teacher at Woods. We talk about mountain biking, doodling, and lots of other exciting things, so make sure to stay tuned and listen in. We talk from organization habits to a day in the life of a middle schooler. Our goal is to make the world a better place with one peaceful podcast at a time. Brought to you by the podcast people. Hi, I'm McKenna Karen D2. Hi, I'm Lila Collins. And I'm Charlie Jester. Welcome to the podcast. like to welcome Miss Wood to the podcast. Miss Wood teaches 7th and 8th grade social studies schools. She also teaches the personal finance elective and she hosts the Mountain Biking Explore More. Thanks for being here, Miss Wood. You're welcome. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. So our first question is, where are you from? Ooh, that could be a loaded question. <laughs> I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Um, but the irony is I was actually born in North Carolina, but didn't live here very long. I went straight down to Miami where my family is from. So I grew up in uh, the big city and um, eventually made my way to North Carolina for college. Interesting. So hold on, what is this? (laughs) So she touched a little bit on how she got to North Carolina for college. Um, and then did you go to college immediately to be a teacher or did you start with a different major? That's a great question. I actually, I came to college thinking that I was going to major in athletic training because I've been involved in sports and athletics my whole life. And, um, I came to Appalachian state on a partial soccer scholarship and with, again, the intention of going into athletic training program, but I'll be honest with you. I really struggled with a lot of the pre-med classes. And while I was in college, I wanted to make money so I could travel and do things. So I did work and ended up falling in love with the hospitality industry, meaning I started off waiting tables, then I became a cook and then a bartender. And I just really liked that industry. And lo and behold, uh, Appalachian State has a great business um, program with a concentration in hospitality. So that's actually what my first major was in, uh, business with a concentration in hospitality management. I can totally relate. I I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I actually started as a pre-med major at Penn State. And I transferred after the first semester into education, but I can totally, I get you. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was, I was convinced that I just, I could do it because I knew so much about the athletics, but mm-hmm. the medical aspect of it was just super difficult for me to wrap my head around. For me, the biology classes were totally fine. It was right. chemistry that did me in. And there yeah. was a chemistry class that everybody called the weed out class. Cause it was like an intro chemistry. Like it was one of the intro classes for the program, but they made it like super challenging just to like weed you out like right away. Like if you're not cut out for this, like you're not gonna get through this class. Absolutely. So I was, I fell prey to, I think it was Chem 
10 or chem 12 or something, chem 110, right. I don't know. It had a reputation on campus. I understand completely. So you got into the hospitality and then how did that transfer into be into going into teaching? Ah, so yeah, I was a um, majored in hospitality, like I said, worked in the restaurant industry for quite some time. My first job out of college was actually a um, manager at a country club where I pretty much helped do all the event planning. So I got into event plannings for, for weddings and all kinds of different uh, club organization things that were happening at the country club. And to be honest, I just got really tired of working every weekend and every holiday because that's the hospitality industry. And although I loved entertaining and being a part of that, I just, I really wanted to find something that I felt like I could um, still use my organizational skills, but at the same time have a little bit more of a non-weekend working <laughs> schedule. And of course I wanted to start a family and the hospitality industry was not conducive for that. So I actually went back to school. I went to um, Carolina Central and uh, NCCU, go Eagles, and um, went back to school to get my teaching certification. Um, and then of course, I've just come from a long line of teachers and I think I just had it in me. And I especially had a love for history thanks to my father. So it was easy for me to transfer that love into teaching. So I have the next question. Why um, do you like teaching social studies? Oh, that's a great question too. And a lot of people get confused that, you know, uh, that social studies is a direct correlation to being a history teacher. And it's not exactly. And I think one of the reasons that differentiate social studies teachers between high school history teachers is I kind of want to delve into at least the surface of a lot of historical events that take place and give you a sense of how uh, people interact within different communities. You know, the primary purpose is to just help young people make informed and reasoned decisions when it comes to the public good and as citizens. And of course, being culturally diverse in a democratic society and a very independent interdependent world is what I trying to get people to wrap their head around and um, just really look at a lot of different events through history from multiple perspectives and um, hopefully getting students ready for a more in-depth look into history once they get into high school and even on into college. Um, I have the next question and my uh, question is, what's your favorite topic to teach in social studies? Ooh, <laughs> it sounds weird to say that I love war, <laughs> but to be honest, I really love teaching about the world wars, specifically in seventh grade, World War One and World War II. Um, for whatever reason, I think I, I, I became extremely attached to World War II specifically because I was able to go uh, on a trip with some students to um, Belgium and France and participate in, in really hands-on experiential learning in the place where a lot of those World War II battles took place. And I think it just sit, sat with me and I brought a lot of what I learned while being there back into the classroom. And ever since then, there's so many layers and so many stories, again, through multiple perspectives, that really makes me just 
constantly learn something new about the world wars. Um, so yeah, I would say that World War One and World War Two tend to be my favorite topics. Um, so the next question is, is sixth graders, what can we expect for the transition for sixth graders social studies to seventh grade social studies? Ah, so to be, I, I don't know if you guys knew this, but before I was at uh, Woods, I actually taught sixth grade. So I taught sixth and seventh grade for almost 12 years. And um, so I have a, a, an also equal love for the sixth grade curriculum. I know Ms. Wagner does awesome stuff with ancient ancient world and ancient civilizations. And I love to pick up where she left off. And so when it comes to transition, I'm hoping to take the societal structures that she teaches you guys in um, ancient civilizations into a, you know, a more modern era, but still the, those societal structures do have a correlation. And, and I think it'll be a pretty easy and fun transition. Do you all want to share some of the things you've done so far this year in social studies? Yeah. Like topics or activities, projects? Right now, we're learning as well. Yeah. Like yeah. The, um, the Middle East, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then before that, we did Christianity. Yeah. And civilization. And, and um, we also did Egyptian. Yeah, we did Egyptian. Uh, we also did. That was like a like a wider spread thing. I asked her because we're doing a project this week. Um, so she said we've learned about world, world religions from the Middle East and civilizations from Africa and the Middle East. That's awesome. But we yeah. studied a lot of different like civilizations and everything, so. Perfect, that's great. Oh. Do you guys have a favorite subject in school? And you don't have to say social studies. Language arts. Because <laughs> uh, of the reading aspect or you like oh. writing? I love reading and I love writing. But it's mostly <laughs> reading because I read a lot. <laughs> yeah. So before we recorded this, we did what we called a, a ramble, a chat ramble, just hanging out and talking. And I'm just so impressed with how, many, how much these three read and how fast they read. <laughs> and how many books they go through. So ELA and reading are definitely high up there, I think. Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. It definitely builds your vocabulary. In fact, I wish I read more. Totally. Yeah. Duolingo. <laughs> totally. <laughs> nice. So they so that kind of is a good transition. So they really enjoy reading. Um, it kind of does like some fantasy books. Um a lot of fantasy yeah. books. Yeah. So what kind of things do you enjoy in life? What, what brings you joy right now? Ah, um, <laughs> I um, In fact, my Instagram, my personal Instagram account is, is called Elizabeth's Passions. And I, I kind of am one of those people who like, a, I like to delve into a lot of new things. And whether it develops into a passion or not, it just all depends. But I'm willing to always give it a try. And believe it or not, I've delved into so many things that I have a long list of passions now, which is great. Um, but uh, you know, secretly, I've always wanted to be a a cook, like a, a chef, and so I have a love of cooking, and I like to try new recipes. I like to try things without a recipe. Sometimes that goes well, and sometimes it does not. <laughs> I um, 
I have taken to baking recently, and I think maybe it's because I've watched a lot of baking shows. That's also a very science-y, math-y thing, which I'm not very good at. So I do struggle with the baking aspect (laughs) because you can't play around as much like you can with other um, uh, cooking. Um, Let's see. Um, Most of you already know this, that I am a doodler. I do love to um, draw. That's something I kind of just taught myself. I was someone in class that if a teacher was talking nonstop or lecturing, I really had a hard time paying attention. So I became a doodler in class and then over time transferred that into just something to do on my spare time, listening to music and drinking tea and coffee and just really enjoying the moment of, of practicing different uh, techniques and things like that. And thanks to Miss Smith, actually, I've actually gotten into watercolors recently. I'm not that good at it, but I do appreciate it for sure. Yay, that's so fun to hear. This is- yeah. And um, what else? I absolutely love being outdoors. Um, Charlie can, can attest to this. I've become an avid mountain biker and I really do love it. It's a passion that I picked up during this whole COVID era. So if there's anything positive I can pull out of COVID, it's be- that I've become a mountain biker. Um, I'm a snowboarder. I love the snow. I absolutely love um, anything that has to do with camping and hiking and generally being outdoors. And um, what else do I have as a passion? Um, I like making things. I, I, yeah, I'm crafty, if you will. Again, I'm not always great. There's, there's many Pinterest fails that I have, <laughs> but I do dabble in it enough to appreciate um, making things from, from, from scratch. So this is um, kind of back to what you said about doodling. Do you ever like Miss Wagner recently made like she tells us to take doodle notes? Does do you like to tell your class to take doodle notes a lot? Yeah, actually, that's something I I, I would hope Miss Wagner would agree that I kind of introduced to her. Um, doodle notes has been part of my teaching strategy for I would say the last ten years, and I can't take full credit for it. I did have a mentor. Her name was Natalie, and she was also a teacher, and she was someone who kind of showed me how she incorporated it. And I kind of took bits and pieces of how she did it and turned it into my own kind of style. Um, going back to what I was saying earlier, from a perspective of a student, knowing that sometimes it's hard to concentrate and being able to doodle, um, I actually remembered things better. I had the visual representation of the notes in my mind so it helped me when it was came to studying or just remembering things in general and so I really wanted to incorporate that into my teaching strategy because I think a lot of students over the years have told me how much they appreciate it and that you know sometimes doodling is looked at as a negative thing like no you should stop and pay attention to the teacher a hundred percent and believe it or not I think more kids focus more when they are doodling. So yes, I've incorporated doodle notes as a way to take notes. Um, and hopefully when a lot of students will do that. Can you elaborate on what that is? Is that just kind of like doodling whatever you want as you're listening? Or do you doodle kind of, like you said, like visuals of what's being talked about? That's a great question. And so I've done two styles. One style would be um, that I've kind of 
I'll take, for example, when we do World War I trench warfare, uh, I, will, I will draw a giant trench. And then of course, I expect the students to, as they're learning about trench warfare, to put as many details as they can inside of the trench. Now, whether they wanna draw inside the trench or handwrite notes inside the trench, could go either way. I've had students before, you know, draw the rats that infested, the draw the mud and the water and the, and the soldiers being stuck in the mud. And then I've also had students who are not 100% confident in their doodling skills or just don't want to, and they just use the space to write their notes. And that's perfectly fine. So um, yeah, I've gone both ways where I, I've created kind of the backdrop of the doodle and they enter their own doodle or they can create doodles from scratch as well. And that seems like a great skill just for anyone to try out because you never really know if it's gonna be effective or not until you try it. But that's exactly. also something that can transfer to any other class too. Correct, yes. And you mentioned art and one thing that as I've been doing watercolor more lately and everything, the one thing that I just kind of jumping to art now. Um, yeah. I just, the thing that's been just so resonating with me lately, I guess, is like when you do a piece of art, even if it's just something small, that thing didn't exist before you did it. And Correct. that's the reason that's been like really on my mind lately. Like it's that whole creative and creating something aspect of it. Oh yeah. And I, <laughs> I was always that person in college and in my early years of when I moved out of my house. Um, you know, I didn't have money to go, quote unquote, decorate my apartment or decorate my house. And so I had to figure out ways to kind of create my own artwork. And believe it or not, right here behind me in my own home now, I still have a lot of the artwork that I've created hanging on my walls. Um, and, you know, whereas other people you might find um, more expensive or, you know, prints that they've, they've done. But I personally love my crazy artwork that's all over my house. <laughs> and McKenna does some really cool sketching. Tell yeah, us a little bit about that. Um, I haven't done as much recently because of just, I guess, how much is going on. But I did do a couple and like we've had some for like art and stuff. I did a blue jay and that's like my profile picture. Um, and then I've also done like um, some fruits as well, I think. Um, I don't remember all of them, but I've done yeah. definitely a couple. And you showed, or is it like cartoons that you showed? And then I showed uh, video game characters. Video game well. characters, yeah. So, nice. Yeah. It's been really cool. We have art and chat on Fridays during lunch, and it's been so cool to see what students have been creating. It's amazing. I love that. That's great. So part of um, the reason why we are on campus is because the podcast people help Mr. Brian do a little video for elementary school to kind of show how things are gonna be coming back in the building. And obviously that's a lot, a lot on our minds lately for everyone in our community. Um, I don't know, do you wanna share any thoughts on like, I don't know how your class might be or I don't know what questions are we thinking of at this point? Mm -hmm. I don't think any questions. Yeah, just maybe, I guess, I don't know, maybe share some of your thoughts or just how, I don't know, how you're thinking about it right now. And if people are feeling like confused or worried or stressed, what, right. what, 
Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of confusion and a lot of worry, uh, on both on the part of parents, um, you know, students and teachers, really. And I think we're all just kind of figuring out what's going to be the best way to go into this with a positive outlook and a safe outlook, of course. So um, my number one goal is to make sure that the students, as much as possible, feel a seamless transition. So whether you've decided to come into the building or whether you've decided to stay remote, I want you to feel that my class is not going to really shift much. The expectations are going to be the same. The style of teaching, the style of lessons is going to pretty much be the same. And whether you're in the building with me or you're at home on screen with me, I want you to feel and uh, feel like you're very much part of the class like we have been for the past seven months. Um, so again, to answer your question, I just feel like I really want to focus on making in the most seamless transition possible and put their put your mind at ease that um, I, I without sounding, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Arrogant. Um, I trust in my abilities to make that happen for you. And I'm really um, confident as a teacher that I can make sure that all the pieces fall into place to make sure that you guys learn for however many months that ends up being <laughs> for, for yeah. seventh and eighth grade. It's not very many days actually, but um, so all of you have been used to remote instruction now. So do you think it's going to be, I don't know, what are your expectations or how do you think it's going to be when I some kids are online and some are in the classroom? Because I know Miss Wagner is doing like teacher videos and she's yeah. done them before. And so we're kind of used to the teacher videos. So I think that those won't be uh, much of a transition, but like with other teachers, they might be doing something different. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel like it's going to be like harder. Just what well, we've kind of talked about this is what we just did yeah. about getting up yeah. earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we started 11 and I, a lot of people probably sleep in until like 10 45 and get on their meetings but if school starts at 8 or 8 30 like it did last year or before COVID it's going to be hard to um completely be there yeah. and focusing yeah like yeah because I can tell you the first few days I'm gonna not I'm gonna be like lost because I'm so yeah I'm sure you're not the only one yeah so, don't get me wrong I think there'll be um I'm hoping that there's an easy transition in terms of the teaching aspect, but a lot of personal <laughs> transitions will be taking place because a lot of people have kind of set their own personal routines um, that they might have to get out of. Um, I know I was sharing with them during our ramble that was trying to like get out of the house today to come here. It was like, where's my lunch? And where's this? And where's that? You know, like you kind of get things in a, in a routine and you kind of have stuff set up, but then you know, over the past year, you can get out of that habit and kind of just thinking what, you know, what do you have to have in your bag and, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like manage the different when some people are in the classroom and some people are not like that's going to be hard because right. um, like I know some people we we normally uh like a few weeks ago, we had a breakout room and we talked about what we, we think we should do. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody in my breakout room really didn't want to go back to school, but she didn't feel like that teachers would pay as mm -hmm. like much attention to her since she's going, she doesn't want to come back to school. 
And I feel like that is like, I get that, but I feel like it's going to be harder to manage everything. Yeah, and that's something that we're hearing a lot and um, as teachers in our meetings, that's something definitely on the forefront of everybody's mind for us is making sure that whether you're in person in front of us or on the computer that you do feel part of our class and welcome and engaged in what we're doing. So I would just say that's something we're definitely thinking of and putting a lot of effort into to try to try to make that feel as as easy and as good of a transition as it can be. I would offer students the advice that, I mean, trust that your teachers are going to do that from the get-go. Don't go into this thinking, oh yes, I'm remote, I'm going to be left behind. I think if you change your perspective and go into this with a positive attitude, I think you're going to find out that your teachers absolutely love you and they're going to do their best to make sure that you're included. Um, and so I would, I would kind of whoever you were speaking to in your breakout room, and, and this goes for any other student who's feeling that way, um, I would go into this not thinking that way. Like, I, I think it would be healthier to say, no, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be just as much a part of the class as I have been. That's a good, yeah. good suggestion. And making yeah. sure, like, you're taking the steps, whether you're in class or remote, just taking the steps that you need to take to take advantage of either situation the best that you can and control what you have control over. So if that is remote, making sure you're still participating and all that kind of stuff so that you do feel like you're part of the class still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing we forgot to mention, transitioning to something else, one thing we forgot to mention <laughs> is that you know somebody who's been on our podcast before. I do. Mr. David Rogers. You guys remember him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're, I think that was a veterans weekend yeah. or, uh, and you had military, um, conversations, I think with Alyssa also in the seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. So such, yeah. Go ahead. That was such a nice episode. Do you want to share how you and Mr. Rogers met? <laughs> that's a great, <laughs> that's a great story. Um, I, like I said before, uh, taught um, sixth and seventh grade at Smith Middle School in Chapel Hill. And every beginning of the year, um, we knew that we were going to have lots of kids coming from different elementary schools coming to Smith Middle School. So starting the sixth grade at Smith uh, was a little um, nerve wracking for some of our students coming from different schools. And learning how to kind of bring them together was something that we really wanted to make sure we did a good job of, especially the first few weeks of school. So we really focused on team building the first two weeks of school with our new students. And one of my coworkers at the time said, hey, did you know that the UNC has an outdoor facility that does team building? And I said, no. And he was like, well, I'm going to go call them and see if they'll be willing to host our sixth graders. And sure enough, um, David Rogers is who you guys met. Again, he was in the military a long time ago, but he's now the director of outdoor education at UNC. And he runs that program. And he, of course, allowed for us to bring all of our sixth graders to do team building activities, as well as the challenge course and the zip lining. And um, he was running the zip lining platform at the very top. And I was sending students up the giant cargo net. And as they go down the zip line and then come back around, they take off their harness and throw it on the ground and go do another activity. 
the students, as you can imagine, were not 100% following directions and throwing their harnesses and all over the place. And being the little organizational guru that I am, I just kind of started lining, taking them off and lining them up nice and neat. <laughs> and he looked down from the platform and he goes like, he's like, Miss Wood, I think I love you. Oh, wow. <laughs> And I didn't know what he meant. He's like, thank you for doing that. And so it just made the process go per, uh, easier. And wow. um, I wrote him a thank you note via email about having the program and the students and then asked him if he would like to go have a cup of coffee one day. And, and that's basically how we met. And we ended up having a cup of coffee. And that's Aww, that that was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's been it's been a long um, wonderful journey with David Rogers so far as, as a fantastic partner in my life. Yes, and we really enjoyed getting the chance to chat with him on the podcast. Yeah, he's actually been in part of Explore More um, yeah. with mountain biking. Um, he's been out of town recently, and of course, with all the rain we've had, we haven't had him out there, but hopefully with this warmer weather, he'll be joining us in Explore More mountain biking again. Awesome. And so getting back on the topic of passion, so you shared some of your passions with cooking and art and doodling. Um, so I thought this would kind of be a fun way to wrap up the episode is for them, for the podcasters, oh, no. to share a little about their passion projects in sixth grade. Yeah. They chose and maybe why or what they're learning, doing. Give us an update. Um, so... McKenna and I are doing um, the podcast as our passion project. Um, and really, we're just, I think we took different perspectives of it. Yeah. It's definitely kind of easy because with this, we're just like making new episodes, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a lot of fun because we got to learn, like we had to do a 20 facts, like a 20 facts thing about um the podcast like podcasting in general so that was really fun we learned a lot of like facts about podcasting that yeah. we wouldn't have known if we didn't have if we didn't like pick podcasting under um what is it about the podcast or doing a podcast that you really enjoy i just like being able like kind of like like talking with people like and learning things about about people that i didn't know before yeah and that's really like what I enjoy most about it that's yeah. awesome it's definitely like kind of like a relaxing space especially now like on Wednesdays you know oh yeah it's for the podcast especially like when we like do planning sessions and stuff they're just chill they're really funny like our charamble this morning very very good we had a few story time with Lila's in there <laughs> nice um but yeah I think it's I agree with that it's just really nice to have a set time especially this past year we wouldn't have had opportunities to talk to the people that we talked to and getting to know our teachers better and we interviewed some students and so it's just been really nice to have time to chat with with people that we wouldn't have yeah, been able to chat definitely. with and then year. we also kind of like get like a behind the scenes mm -hmm. of like what teachers are doing kind of yeah more of like an in-depth like it goes yeah. beyond just like the super official level stuff that we would normally do just in like passing in the hall or whatever so well I will say for whatever it's worth I've been um a big fan of the podcast people since day one and I've listened to all of your podcasts that have 
that are available up until this point. And I've, I've noticed uh, how much better you guys have gotten. So kudos to you for really jumping into the process. And um, I don't know, I'm a big podcaster. I love listening to all kinds of podcasts and I'll put you guys right up there with some of the ones I listen to. So and good job. Actually, the one that gave me the heads up that um, Ethan Evans had the podcast. Yeah he started one so we yeah, have I think he released another one today I haven't listened to it yet yeah, but. so we're going to be releasing soon the episode we did with Ethan Charlie why don't you talk about your passion project um my passion project is mountain biking yay um, <laughs> uh, so yeah it's just my favorite sport definitely favorite thing to do in my free time um I just really like mountain biking so yeah it's my passion I, I, I think that you should, and you might already be doing this, but definitely uh, someone who, who's also learning a lot about mountain biking. I think it's really awesome to be a part of a community that, that builds these trails. You have a different appreciation for mountain biking when you're a part of actually building the trails that you're riding on. So if uh, I think I've, I spoke to your mom a little bit about, you know, joining Torque on these weekends where they build trails or even if you want to join um, Plus Dirt, which is David and I's uh, and our friends. Sorry, Luna's barking at us. Um, Plus Dirt, I can send you the email too. So we, they do weekend building over at the Outdoor Education Center at Carolina, where they're building some trails. And we'd love to have you out there, um, whether it's an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever you and your dad want to come volunteer to, to move some dirt. <laughs> We'd love to have you. With your experience with mountain biking, do you find that people tend to already enjoy biking first and then they go into mountain biking? Or do you find, like, Charlie, did you have experience with biking in general before or you just jumped right into um, mountain biking? No, I just sort of got in. Um, I was living out um, on Chicken Bridge, mm -hmm. which is near the Hall River. Um, and there is big hill. And I think I learned to ride a good bit downhill there and a good bit of climbing. And then after that, I went um, up to DuPont. Oh, yeah. There, and there's this guy who was uh, talking to us and like sort of giving us tips and stuff up there named Lane. And he's at the bike farm. And um, okay. so I went there and I sort of just learned everything I know there pretty much. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I was, again, like like most things in my life, I just try it, and I was slow at first, and I struggled with downhill. I was actually strong uphill because I have giant soccer quads, <laughs> but um, I had to really learn how to maneuver the bike going downhill and trusting, you know, brake usage of brakes and my speed. I'm just now recently getting to a point where I'm really comfortable making little jumps here and there. Um, I cleared a gap double by accident once. <laughs> uh, it was pretty amazing. I think once I landed, I, I just, the look on my face was complete shock that I had actually landed um, because I was not supposed to jump it. I came around a corner and I did not take the ride around. I actually jumped it because I was following some people and I didn't know that there was a giant, you know, six foot gap from where I was jumping over. And if I had not committed, it could have been an ugly situation. But those are those things. You you fail a couple times and it might be a little painful, um, but that's how you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Miss Wood, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really enjoyed our conversation today and look forward to hopefully seeing you soon in person. 
Absolutely. Thank you guys. I really enjoyed it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.